0: Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads.
1: Yes, welcome once again. I'm Anne from The Morning Breeze in New Glasgow.
2: I'm Deb from The Morning Breeze in Halifax.
0: And I'm Simone from Breeze Afternoons in Vancouver and Edmonton. This month's selection is The Sister's Tale, a novel of orphans and widows,
1: terror and hope, and the relationships that hold us together when things fall apart. With murder dominating the news, the respected wife of a New Brunswick Sea captain is drawn into a case of a British home child whose bad luck has turned worse. Mortified that she must purchase the girl in a pauper auction to save her from the lechery of wealthy townsmen, Josephine Galloway finds herself suddenly running a boarding house kept afloat by the sweat and tears of a curious and not completely compatible collection of women, including English teenager Flora Salford. Flora's place in her new family cannot be complete until she rescues the missing person in her life, the only one who understands the trials she has come through since they were separated years before. The Sister's Tale is written by New Brunswick author Beth Powning, who we will speak to in just a few moments. And first of all, let's dive right in as to what your thoughts were of this month's selection. Deb, we'll start with you.
2: Okay, wow. Um, A lot of empowerment with the women, the young women, and recognizing that being a woman is tough, but being a woman in the 1800s is incredibly tough. Um, But you know what they say, tough times don't last, tough people do. So I think that's what I got out of it.
0: What about you, Simone? Simone? I have to say the same, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect from this book. And sometimes I'm one of those people that likes to just live in the now and read about the now. I'm not really, you know, I've never really been focused on things that happened in the past, but now we're starting to learn a little bit more. As you get older, you get more of an interest in that. And just thinking that it was long ago, but not that long ago that there were so many of these struggles and just seeing... You know, the relationships and how these women came together to be there for each other, support each other through these tough times. And it was totally that. We don't need a man. We can do this attitude. And I (laughs) loved that about this book.
1: Yes, I, I found that surprising as well. I found it very relatable and you think you pick up a book that's about the late eighteen hundreds, you think, uh, oh, what am I gonna be able to take away from this? But I, I found it quite relatable and there were a lot of characters. So once we got through meeting everyone and kind of understanding where everybody was in their place in the book, it really started to uh, form for me and I was I was picturing it in my head like a like a little mini series. <laughs> through. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a very, very good read this month, really enjoyed it. So this novel focuses mostly on the lives of women in the late 1800s, as we mentioned. Is there a particular
0: storyline that interested you most? Simone, we'll start with you. It was definitely um, Josephine and Flora. Like that uh, was the relationship for me. You know, she had two daughters and It seemed like she grew closer to Flora during this time that she had because she looked to her for support. And it was interesting because we didn't see a lot of her you know looking to her daughters for that support and Lucy moved away and it was kind of their relationship was not so good for a while but with Flora like she just it was almost like she had a chance to kind of do things over because before it seemed like she was so into the entertaining and the social scene and all this and then she kind of scaled back and found something she could really get behind and get passionate about and not just be this sea captain's wife so that really stood out to me is how she kind of took her in as a daughter she was more than just someone who worked for her and she looked to her for strength and guidance when she was really struggling. Yeah for sure. What about you Deb? Yeah, I
2: I 100% agree. I love the two of them and the relationship that they created. And uh, I think for Josephine, her life as a widow after losing her husband, um, I think that's when she realized, what is my self-worth? Who am I? Especially when it comes to the law. And then when Flora came along, you know, here's a young girl, her life so so full of sorrow from the, you know the very beginning in her early life but she was always very much forward momentum and i think that that's josephine thought wow if this young woman and you know going through what she has gone through and getting to where she is now has that strength that you had mentioned, Simone. That you know I can live through her. I can I can figure it out and and get along. And what's left with my life and and where I go from here, I think she can help me for sure.
1: I echo both those comments for sure. But it was sort of like a side character that I found really interesting as well. Cousin Carrie, who was uh, quite. She was a very strong willed voice. And, uh, the correspondence that came in from Josephine's daughter, Lucy, working in the factory. And that whole story that was focusing heavily on the rise of the suffrage movement, I thought was, was pretty interesting as well. It didn't play a huge part in the book, but I did find it really interesting, just sort of with the historical nature of it. So, uh, certainly that was a storyline that interested me as well. So there was, there was a lot, a lot going on, that's for sure. Of course, there were true elements to the story and references to historical moments. Is there any parts that surprised you about this time? And Simone, we'll start with you on this one.
0: Well, I had no idea, you know, how this system worked and how people were auctioned off. Like, I didn't know that side of it. And so that was really interesting to learn about. Like, you hear about things like that, but I just didn't know how exactly it was broken down and how ruthless people were and how people were treated and just even the stories about not having the will And you're, you know, when the children were challenging their mother when she was in a time where she needed support, I was like, this is this is such a hard thing to go through for a parent and then you have no control over your future because the husband was so in control of the way things worked and when there was no paperwork to show you know what she had and any control or rights as a guardian of these children like it was just taken away from her and people looked at her differently she just became a nothing and you know in in today's society it's kind of like you know we see people go through divorce and they go through these things and we all have now got these rights and it's because things like this were happening back then. So uh, that part of it really surprised me is just how that wh- whole thing worked and how these children were sent over and and especially in Canada, because I, I feel like I didn't learn about that. Like I heard a lot about that, of course, in the States and things like that. But um, yeah, that really uh, was surprising for me. Very surprising indeed. What about you, Deb? Yeah,
2: I, I would have to say home children I'd heard about. So I, I knew a little bit about it, but I had no idea um, I think it's like a lot of our history in Canada, especially to today, learning about so many, so much more that we weren't, you know, given or offered in school or taught in school, um, you know, mistreating the poor, uh, different classes, the children. It, it's incredible how... Um, how how children were treated and and a woman as well at that time you know she wasn't a person so poor josephine despite burying her children uh she had no say she she gave birth to them she was their mother but she she had you know she had no position after her her husband died so it's 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 very interesting and i think it's it's very telling about what we are currently learning about in our own country right now
1: Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned uh, British home children. And I actually I was talking about this book over the weekend. We had a family get together and. My dad said that I had no idea that my grandmother's sister married a gentleman who was a, a British home child. He was brought over to work on a farm in New Brunswick, actually, of all places where the book is based. So I learned a little bit about my own family's connection to the history. And I, I honestly, like, I almost feel silly for not knowing it um to this point in my life. And it was the book that sort of prompted the conversation to happen. And uh, there was also something else that I found um, with regards to the crime stories that they were following in the paper, which was loosely based on an event that happened um, that's referenced at the end of the book. But it just reminded me sort of of my my own fascination with true crime and, and watching them in the 1800s sort of follow along with a story like that. And then the surprising... I don't want to say too much in case people haven't got to the end of the book, but keep going with that because I was sort of wondering what it had to do with what was going on, and then it all sort of wrapped up in the end. So I Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting that the way that it was sort of woven in, in the background of everything, and I... um, I just I follow a lot of true crime stories, so uh, to watch uh, how they would gather around and read the newspaper and follow along with that, I just
0: thought, "Hmm, some some things never change, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was definitely the twist I was not expecting. This book started off kind of slow for me because in the beginning it seemed like there was a lot of characters, there was a lot of, you know, those storylines, but then as you get into it, you start to understand why so much was introduced in the beginning, and then totally it wraps up so nicely, you mm-hmm. know, as you're three quarters through, you're you're so invested now because you're like, what, what? And the storyline with mm-hmm. now finding the sister and then solving the murder. <laughs> it was, yeah. I know. <laughs> I... Know. And there were- I Yep. Sorry.
2: Go ahead. No, I was just going to say one of these characters. I won't say, but I'm sure if if uh, our listeners have read it, they know who we're talking about. But he was one of those characters. I think that Flora had initially trusted, obviously, and you know, as as you go along the timeline, what happens. Um, And I felt at one point, even though he wasn't the most lovable of characters, I thought for a moment that I was trusting of him and wanting to give him a second chance as well. And then more things unraveled.
1: Right. Redeemable at the very least. And Mm -hmm. with uh, I was going to say with with the true crime, too, I usually am really good to predict who done it. I was totally surprised at the end of this book. I did not see that coming at all. So it was well done, Beth Pounding You yes. got me. I did not see that coming at all. So um, I guess our, our final uh, question before we get to uh, the interview with Beth, what was your biggest takeaway from The Sister's Tale? Uh, Deb, what, what do you think it was?
2: I think it goes back to um, the The relationships that the the women had with each other, and I think it's, you know, you had mentioned that you weren't sure you could connect with women from the 1800s, you know, what do I have in common with them? But I think when women come together, there is a really cool camaraderie, and you feel that empowerment, the cheerleaders are there for you, and you want... Everybody to succeed and you want to help everybody. So I think for me, I recognized that relationship, although some of them were a little strained at times, um, that when women work together, it's really powerful.
0: Mm, Absolutely. What about you, Simone? Same thing. Make sure, you know, you've got a strong tribe, a strong support system of strong women who support what you do and are there for you when you fall. And, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. You know, you hear about some of the challenges they had and, you know, men getting paid more and this and those struggles are still here in 2021, where women are still faced with a lot. And of course, we have more power to fight for our rights and kind of keep that movement going for things we, we believe in and we want um, you know to put in motion but again there's still a lot of work to be done so that was that was uh one of the big takeaways for me
1: yes and i echo both of your comments and also i would like to throw in resilience oh my goodness these these women were put through the ringer over and over again and they still came out stronger than ever and it was just really inspiring and um i you being seen as a person, like having the right to vote, it certainly highlighted the struggles of that women faced and uh, those that fought to change to, to make things better. And I think, um, you know, sometimes you just kind of get used to the way things are as far as the the rights that we have, and we can vote, and we don't. I just I sometimes forget Mm -hmm. about, of course, the women that came before us that made this happen, and I I just thought it was a a really neat way to explore that history in a a book like this. So I'm definitely interested in catching up with Beth if we uh, want to uh, connect with her and have a chat.
0: Yeah, let's do that now. Hello. Hi, Beth. It's Simone, Deb, and Anne from the Breeze Book Club. How are you? Hi, how are we doing? Do I sound okay? Oh, no, that's
3: great. I'm just sitting in our camper on Deer Island watching the waves go by. Oh,
2: Oh, beautiful.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's not not bad. (laughs) Let's get started. Hi, Beth. This is Anne in New Glasgow, Pictou County, Nova Scotia. Oh, hi. Hi. I, I was really enjoying your references to this the local area in the book. I just wanted to let you know that. I was like, oh, okay, there we are. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. it was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a couple of questions to start off with, Beth. Um, first of all, what draws you to stories of a historical nature? I believe is, this is your third book. It is my
3: fourth novel, um, and all of my novels have had historical elements, if not been outright historical fiction. And, you know, I I think it has something to do with the way, a couple of things. Um, I grew up surrounded by history. I grew up with a, a lot of houses that have been in our family for a long time. And there was just, there were old things everywhere and references to the you know, the people and the ancestors, and that was just a fact of life for me. Um, And so the past was very present. I was always playing with old things, like really old things, and sitting in old rocking chairs and, you know, getting under old quilts that somebody had made. Um, And then for 50 years, my husband and I have lived in a farmhouse uh, from the 1870s, and so that's old, and the floorboards are old, and you know you wonder who lived there and I, I also living as you will appreciate living in the maritime provinces um, there's a lot of talk and I live in the rural in a rural community there's a lot of talk about the past and stories told and told an oral history about the past and the past is very. Present. Uh, even some of the characters in th- in the sisters' tale, the one one of the characters who's real, I've had somebody be very scornful about him and say, "Oh, well, he shouldn't have done that," as if it happened yesterday.
1: <laughs> well, I you mentioned your farmhouse. You write about Pleasant Valley, which is loosely based on the town of Sussex, New Brunswick, and you're close to Sussex now, are you not? Yes, we are. When writing a story like this, do you first start with the characters and then decide on how to work them into real life events and places like Pleasant Valley, I guess Sussex in a way? and uh, or is it the other way around? do you do you do that vice versa?
3: You know, it is very peculiar with this novel. Um, and, and it's hard to answer that question. I, I will do my best. This novel started out completely different. It took place in the present, but there was one slim thread. In the first draft of this book, uh, somebody found an article in an attic about the proper auction and about a 15-year-old girl who was sold at auction. And that, I, it, you know, it crept into the book, of course, and became a thread. Um, most of the book took place in the present, but there was this little thin thread about this girl, and we didn't know much about her, and she went to uh, she was sold, and she went to a house, and kind of like a bare outline of what became the sister sale. And after two drafts, my agent said, um, "You know, she's taken over the book. You've got to drop the entire present part, and just concentrate on the historical part." Well, when you do that, it's it's hard. It's hard work because suddenly you think, okay, I have to dig a lot deeper because this is the whole story. And, and um, therefore, I began thinking, okay, when did the pauper auction take place? 1887. Could I have such and such happen? No, that, can't, that happened in 1900. That can't happen. So I think the answer is that the character came first in the time period, and then I had to be true to that period. So things I might have wanted to write about, I couldn't. Does that kind of answer the
1: question? Yes, it does. Well, it's uh, it's interesting as I was reading through when Flora goes to save her sister in Nova Scotia and she stays in Pictou, which, of course, yeah. I'm very familiar with. And I was so curious. I'm like, where's Black Creek? Oh, I yeah. couldn't not for the life of me figure it out until I got to the end and realized that it was a made-up place. But well, uh, w- yeah. was it loosely based on anything?
3: Is it the actual story or the part in no. Nova
1: Scotia? Black Creek. I was just curious to know if you had a, a place in mind. No, well, it
3: was, no, it was just generic. Um, what I do is I make up places like if I had said, if this is Sussex, then everything would have had, it would, it gives, it restricts you in a way from, from right. playing a bit. And I yeah. made up Black Creek because I, um, I just it was just some place on a dirt road near the ocean, and we've all seen those places. I mean, I live mm. in a place like that. I live in a place called markhamville with with forty people in it, and it's just you know a, a little handful of houses in the woods and 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 fields so yeah i no, I know i I made it up
1: thanks, thanks. I appreciate that and really enjoyed the your novel it was It was really great. I
0: thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beth, now this is Simone. Um, you know, I read this book, and this is one of the, the first novels, obviously, I've read from you. I love the character of Josephine. I wanted to know more about her relationship with um, her husband. So do you suggest reading The Sea Captain's Wife before? Is that Was that kind of as a prequel to this book?
3: It doesn't need to be. Um, the Sea Captain's Wife takes place uh, 20 years earlier about. It's in the 1860s. And you don't have to read it first, but I think it would be fun to read it first, um, because then I think when Azuba and Nathaniel walk into... I know that people who love the sea captain's Wife say that when Azuba and Nathaniel walk into the Sister's Tale, their hair stood on end, just like my hair stood on end when they walked in. Um, Because... And it will also give you a sense of why Josephine's husband, Simeon, was so attracted to that life. Um, it was a heroic role for 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 men, for sea captains. And what's happening in the 1880s is that that world is dying, and the, you know the, the the big sailing ships are dying, and there aren't many anymore. And yet he still wanted to, to live that that life because of the portrait of it that had been painted by his uncle Nathaniel. So you don't have to read it, but I think you should.
0: I know it makes me want to go back and read it. And even just the ending of this book, you know, when I was in the last couple pages, I was like, it's happening. Something powerful is about to happen. And then it mm-hmm. it didn't. But, you know, they're still going to fight for it. So do you have in mind to do a sequel to now The Sisters Tale to get? Because I feel like I'm not done with these characters yet. I need to know more of what do they end up getting that house? Do they go on The Sisters and, you know, create this amazing life? What's going to happen?
3: Oh, you know what? I, I love that you asked me that question because I definitely want to make a, this a trilogy, The Sea Captain's Life The Sister's Tale, and What Comes Next. And um, I'm actually at the moment sitting on a cliff overlooking the ocean, which is where almost all of my novels have been born. I, I just We live in the near the Bay of Fundy, and, and this is where a lot of these books come from. I sit and I look out at sea and I think, so I do want to write more um, about the women, the, the this group of people. Yes, definitely.
0: Hey, glad to hear. <laughs> I don't know how specifically
3: I will tie it to, to Sister's Tale, um, but uh, some of these characters have got to be followed.
2: I think we would all be in agreement there. Yeah,
3: that's good to hear.
2: Uh, so it's Deb here now in Halifax. Hi, I, I love your appreciation for history. And um, is it your intent when you're providing the the info? Um, we've been talking about uh, the shame in, in in a lot of our history in this country and the fact that we didn't know a lot about a lot of different things weren't taught in school, but you offer some insight into home children. And I think that a lot of people might not know exactly exactly what happened? Like, who are the home children? Who are British home children? What happened? What, you know, where are they? What, you know, what is their story? Um, is, it, is, your, is it your intention to share a bit of history and offer us a little more with, you know, more than just creating a character?
3: Yeah, Yes. Yes, it is. And I mean, I don't do it in a didactic way. I do it because I am fascinated myself, and I am learning. And I love to learn. And every one of my books has been like a master's degree for me, you know, in terms of how much I learned. And I, I just, I want to share that. And I also get like my blood boil, you know, with with indignation and, and rage and shame and, and, and you know, all the things that we feel for these people when they come alive in our minds as we read about them. Um I started writing about the home children because living in an old farmhouse in New Brunswick, we had people come and visit the house and say, I was a home child in this house. And so for years and years, I've known about home children. And uh, there's a man in our valley who was a home child. He died recently. Um, But it amazes me how many people have never heard of the home children and also i've met so many people who said oh my father or my grandfather was a home child and or my grandmother and they never talked about it and and that just you know that breaks my heart because there was a stigma i mean about the ch- you know the children they were brought over and and they so many of them had a really hard time and um, i think that they should be celebrated and the thing that's Yes, yeah, so, so the answer to you, I could go on, but I won't, the answer to your question is that, yes, I do, I do want people to know um, what I find out, and the pauper auction, oh, I mean, yeah, I wanted people to know about that, and I and I also wanted people to know what the women um, went through in their struggle.
2: It's it's really incredible, and uh, we're all so glad that you've been able to share with you know with your story. Um, I think that it, what I've taken is that it's. It's very similar to a lot of the struggles today. And, you know, there's one step forward, two steps back, but there's always hope. And, you know, people get through really tough things, but women get through things like, like nobody else. Re- really, the, the strength of a woman is is so incredible. And to see the strength of these women in your story is, is really a beautiful thing.
3: Yeah, that's interesting that you said that, because I put the Tessa Dur- Durbreville quote at the beginning about about hope, you know, and how hope pulls you forward. Um, yeah, the, the women, you know, if I could talk a little bit about the women, um, the women's issue, I think if the women of that day were to look forward, if somehow they could look forward and see us and then take what they saw and back into their own world, they, they would see that we have um, a stronger sense of ourselves and that would amaze them and please them but they would also be amazed that we still had things to to fight for i think if we could look back at them we would be amazed at the sense of self in comparison to our sense of self i mean we have our issues but those women what i found that here's another one of the things that made my blood boil was the, the people, the men who said, "Oh, you know, you're frail. You need to stay home. You can't go into a ballot booth. That would be too hard for you. You might ruin your reproductive capabilities if you, you know, went out into the world. And you, 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 you all you have is intuition. You don't have intelligence, and you, you can't go to school. And that's what those women had to overcome. They had to overcome this sense." You know how you the more you're told things like that, the more you internalize them and actually believe them. And they had to overcome that and mm. think, you no, we can, we can vote. we can go to school. We can be lawyers. we can you know we can do whatever we want. Um, so, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about the women, the women's issues, I'm so impressed with their their dignity and and their courage, of course. um, there was this this lovely time when when one of the women in one of the women's groups that I read about said, do you know that they are making fun of the, the idea that a woman might be the Speaker of the House? And the men were laughing. Oh, oh, can you imagine Mrs. Simpson, the Speaker of the House? And then the women were getting all angry in the meeting. And then one, then they started saying, look, we're not going to lower ourselves to ridicule the way they are. We're going to be above that. We are going to keep our dignity." And I thought that was so wonderful. And um, I also thought that given the place that they were starting from, the way that they had been taught to think about themselves, they showed such courage and such bravery to, um, you know, march in the streets and be ridiculed the way they were. So, yeah, we we have a
0: lot to thank them for, those women.
2: Yes, very grateful for so many of them.
0: Yeah, Well, perfect. I think that's all the questions we had. Well, that was
3: just a lovely time to be able to chat about the book and touch base across
0: the country. Yeah, we really enjoyed reading it. It was, um, yeah, it was it was nice. And it was go like I you mentioned the home children and I had no idea about that. So I definitely learned a lot from this book and I appreciate it. That's great. That's great.
2: I think it could be made into a movie. Don't oh, yeah. you think?
0: <laughs> is there
2: is there talk of it? Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it should be done. Let's sign you up.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love Ellen and, you know, uh, so many characters, Mr. Fairweather, Mr. Tuck. I mean, I could see it. Yeah. It'd be great. It would be fun.
0: Well, we'll let you go now, Beth. Thank you so much for being a part of our Breeze Book Club discussion and answering our questions. Thank you very much for
3: calling. This was a delight. Bye, everybody.
0: Enjoy the water. I will. (laughs) Bye. Oh, she was absolutely amazing. Thank you again, Anne and Deb, for all of your thoughts on our chat today. And thank you for listening.
3: Thank you for
0: kicking back
3: and relaxing with
0: us. We hope you'll join
3: us again on Relaxing Reads.